0: Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message.
1: I have a very, very special treat for you today. Heather and I were in South Africa last year. Uh, Of course, you know Prophet Andre, who comes here to our prophetic conference every year. And we went and spoke at his conference in Maso Bay, South Africa. And lo and behold, this dynamic speaker was there. Uh, she's a woman. I'm saying that because I got denominational friends that don't believe in that. I'm like, how do you not believe in that? It's incredible. And Elma Jacobs was teaching and preaching, and it was just riveting from start to finish. And I never even thought that we would have an opportunity like today. I really didn't even cross my mind. But lo and behold, you're here. And uh, her and her husband, Paul, are here with us from South Africa, from, and uh, this is their first time in the States, so uh, we are truly honored to have them, and uh, you're going to be blessed big time. You're going to be really glad you came to church today, I promise you, all right? I mean, I know the guy who usually preaches here is pretty good, but this is another level, all right? So I, I just want you to please give a great One Cause Church welcome to Pastor Elma Jacobs.
0: Bless you, bless you. Oops. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Thank you, Church. One course. so great to meet you all. Heard a lot, a lot about you. So, like I said, I prayed this morning for a hearing ear, so you can follow my accent. Yes. So I trust you will hear me. Amen. Amen. I just want to thank for the invitation, the opportunity to minister here and to meet your church, Eric. It's really a blessing, and um, thank you for receiving us. Um, God showed me, actually, this morning, concerning your church, you know, because I have a little bit more time, I want to speak about that. He showed me the frame of the church and the stature of the church, and uh, there's a level of maturity in it that I know that comes only from the Word, because you can only build His church with Himself. You cannot build the church with worldly principles you build his church with christ with the word and so i saw the frame and then the stature of the church and god is well pleased with the stature he's really pleased with the stature yeah. and the level of maturity in in the church and um, the message i want to give you this morning is that that god has put great value on this family great great value and I know as a preacher, sometimes we deposit and we build and we deposit and we build. And we d- never realize because, you know, we we don't see ourselves. We only see others. We don't see ourselves. And I want to encourage you and Heather and the leadership. God sees you. And he's pleased with you. And because of what you have been building. And he's, got, he's honoring that. And... Uh, there will come a fruit of it that will really support your greatest expectation as a family, as leaders, and I want to bless you with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's give God a hand. Amen. Let's give Him a hand. Um, I want to honor my husband, Paul. I said he was driving me through that storm yesterday to, from Dallas to here, so I bless him. We are a very good team. Always have been, and uh, I want to honor God for Him. And st- together we are standing in the ministry in different roles and settings. But I want to honor Him for that, Church. I want to jump into the Word, and um, there are things I did not share this in the first session. So you need to get both of the sessions. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you will miss out. Amen. So we want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of this church. I never tire of saying this, really, because um, even as I preach this morning, and I'm going to preach now, the word is always relevant to me. I take the word first for myself, because we are humans, we are surrounded by things in the world, and surrounded by things, so every time the word speaks, I listen, Even as a preacher, I listen. Because I will listen to any man, woman, or child that has a revelation and a relationship with Jesus Christ because they have something to give. And I want to honor the Lord because He's the head of His church. We must realize there's no higher authority than Him. No higher. He is the supreme authority over His church. Locally, globally, He's the supreme authority. And I want you to, if you're comfortable Just confess with me or pray with me and say, touch your ear and say, I have an ear to hear. I have an eye to see. And my heart, Lord Jesus, is open to receive your word. Your word is always welcome in my heart. Because your word is spirit and life. May it bear much fruit in my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a place in John 8 where Jesus said to the Pharisees, why does my word have no entrance into you? It's not not always because we have ears that we will receive the word. There must be a hearing ear, a willing heart to receive so that the word can find entrance into our lives. Then it will bear fruit, amen. Church, I want to speak today from a place, and I want to call this place in Christ. And as I'm speaking, I'm, I, I don't want to speak to it, I want to speak from it. Are you with me? A place called in Christ Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says the following, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, be in Christ, tell your neighbor in Christ. He is a new creature, Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And like I said this morning, it's only true when it's, you are in Christ. It is only true in Christ. It is not true outside of Him. And when I speak about that place in Him, it's also, it's not just a revelation of being in Him, but it's also an understanding of being in Him. Amen? And uh, if we speak from that place... We, we need to understand that we speak another language, we speak a new language, we speak a different language, and this language is not consisting out of vowels, consonants, or a dialect, or a tongue, or I'm not speaking even about you know, speaking in tongues, I'm speaking about the language that Jesus describes in his own words, it says, it is the spirit who gives life, he is the life giver, the flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There is no profit in it. Now, if a business does not make profit, you close it down. So if the flesh conveys no profit, please close it down. <laughs> Amen? Are you with me? The words Jesus is saying, he says, the words, the truths that I've been speaking to you are spirit and life. You know, and then they, he asked Peter in John 6, uh, do you want to go because they all, because of John 6, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. If you eat me, you know, they turn away. And he he asked Peter, do you want to go too? And Peter said, where will we go? Because with you are the words of life. Thank you, Jesus. Because from that place in Christ, we speak spirit and life. We speak hope. We speak love. We speak life. We speak because death is the absence of life. When we speak about, of look into poverty, when we minister in Malawi, we have a missionary a missionary station there, and Bible schools there. P- people are really poor, poor, poor. And that po- poverty is the absence of life. Sickness is the absence of life. Fear is the absence of life. So the moment we speak from that place called in Christ, as we speak spirit and life into people's lives, we... Chase out death. We replace death in their lives. Are you with me, church? That is the power of being in Christ, understanding that I have a new language to communicate spiritual things and authority. In Christ, our birth certificate changed. You know that. Because Hebrews 12, 23 says, and to the church, the assembly of the firstborn. I love it. You are the assembly of the firstborn. That means there's a second, third, fourthborn. Many sons into glory. Amen. Who are registered as citizens in heaven. So although you are walking on the earth, you are registered as a citizen in heaven. Your birth certificate is chapped or stamped in heaven. New creation in Christ Jesus. In this place. Called in Christ. Tell your neighbor, in Christ. Tell him there's a place. It's a place. It's a domain. It's a sphere. It's an arena. It's a room. And when we speak about that, we need to understand, we need to enlarge our capacity in our minds and spirit. It's not a small place. It's a kingdom. It's a kingdom. So you have to expand in it. It's not a small, small, it's not Christ in me, it's me in him. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, for me, I need to understand that it's a region of activity, it's a region of power, it is a place of influence and knowledge actually, revelation knowledge. Because in that place, if I expand my spirit and my mind is renewed, rivers of revelation actually flows through you. Are you with me, church? Because I understand the old man is dead. So in that place, I need to discover this domain. I need to enter it. Because John 3 says, from verse 5 to 7, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you are not born again, you will not see the kingdom. So the fruit of being born again is that my eyes are open so I can recognize and identify the kingdom of God. But then it says you you must be born again through water and spirit to enter. So you need to be born again through the water bath of the word and spirit. You need to be birthed in spirit and life, the word, so that you can enter the kingdom And the view from the inside is different than the view from the outside. And many times churches are just brought to the door. They're just born again seeing the kingdom, but they are not equipped to enter the kingdom. Are you with me? They are not equipped and empowered by the word and the spirit to step into that domain, that place called in Christ Jesus. So we need to enter and identify this place called in Christ. I need to identify it. And because it's only through him that I can enter it. He said that he has raised us up together in Ephesians 2 verse 6. He has raised us up together giving us joint seating with him. Although it is a place of activity and authority and it is a place of power it is also a place of rest because we are seated with him and when you sit down you have ceased from your works so we have joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of being in Christ Jesus this is also only true when we are in him and when we speak about that heavenly sphere it speak of, of that above realm realm that realm i need to pronounce it right you know i put must put a drawl in it okay realm okay so it's above realm it's a, it's not it's not below because jesus says in john 8 i am from above and you are from below although he's standing level with them he said i'm from above Speaking about that place, that domain, that kingdom, we need to remain and abide. When you find it, you need to abide in it. And it comes by practice. It does not come by theory. It comes by practicing to be in Christ Jesus. And the way you practice is your thought life, because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How do you change a man or a woman? By changing their thinking. You can be one second in the flesh and change your mind and be in Christ. And you can be in Christ and something happens and you react from your flesh and you're back into the flesh. So it is your thinking that determines where you are. Because Colossians 3 verse 1 says, if then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, aim and seek and set your mind on things above where Christ is. So the, the place of activity is here. I need to aim and seek and set my mind on things above, where Christ is. Because if I set it there, I'm there. Because as a man thinketh, so he is. Are you with me, church? So let us focus on the word identity. Because I need to identify with this and identify this place. And to identify and identification means to establish the identity of. But I like this second description. It says, to conceive. So it means that I need to become impregnated with the knowledge that I am united with him in principle, in outlook, and in spirit. Are you with me? I need to conceive that because if there's conception, there's birth. There's a reality of that. I need to understand that I need to be one with him. I need to conceive that I I am one with him so that I can become the same as he is. So are we. Amen. Our compass scripture this morning is Galatians 2.20. It's a very familiar scripture. It's known to us. But the power of it comes in this context uh, again to us. It says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. But I like the Amplified Version, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, in him. Say with me, in him. Listen, I have shared his crucifixion. In him, I have shared his crucifixion. It's no longer I, the old man who lives. Come on. It's no longer the old creation that lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith. This is the, the, the qualification, faith. Say, say with me, faith. And, this, and he unpacks it. He says, it is adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God. Because he's living now in me. Come on, church. He says, but Christ lives in me. Now I lean upon this Christ that lives in me. I adhere to this Christ. I rely upon this Christ. And I completely trust this Christ that is living on the inside of me. And by doing that by faith, I'm in him. You are with me? You are with me? Because he loved me. And he gave himself up for me. Amen? One of the most powerful declarations is this Galatians 2 verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ. And to fully comprehend this, what Paul, you know, wanted to convey and the significance and the power of the Scripture and statement, we need to read it in the context of Galatians. And this is one of the most important messages, I believe, for the church. And it's always, it will always be relevant because we are, will always be surrounded by what happened in Galatia concerning religious spirits and concerning people that always want to interfere with the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Because the Jews who became believers in Jesus Christ, they started to infiltrate the non-Jewish believers in Galatia, and they were called Judaizers, and they, they, they came with the weight of being the covenant people of God, the legacy of being the nation of the almighty God. You understand? The Jews, you know, they were in covenant with God since Genesis 15, 14, 15, from that. In 1722, God said to Abraham, and, you know, in you I will bless the nations. In the seed, he was prophesying about Jesus Christ, but he had a covenant with the nation of Israel. So, I said this morning, just imagine if you are a new born, you know, born again believer and somebody comes in with that kind of legacy and weight and they start to speak to you and start to influence you and tell you, you know, that your faith is not enough. This thing that you say you believe in Jesus and it's the only thing that you need, it's not enough because we know we are the people of God and we have a system and we have rules and regulations and we have that all these things and to stand against that, I think you need a real revelation in your relationship with God. Because in South Africa we have a revelation a, a revival of, of religion. You know, we don't have Jews coming in here trying to infiltrate and influence us. But in South Africa we have the church trying to be Jews. They're adapting Jewish culture, they're adapting Jewish customs, they're adapting the you know the, the law of Moses, they wear things that the Jewish the, the Orthodox Jews in Israel is wearing. People like us. And so there's a a, a real danger when it comes to these things. Even popular teachings that are coming the church's way. And as as a minister and as a church, we need to scrutinize these things because there are popular teachings that deviate from the purity of the gospel. And so Paul starts to speak to them because they were influencing the non-Jewish believers, and um, they' insisting that the non-Jewish believers become obey, they must obey the law of Moses and starting by the act of circumcision. And so we need to understand if the old man is not crucified with Christ, if he's not identified with that, what Paul says, I, in him, I've shared his crucifixion, you must understand, I must understand that my flesh is alive and it is open to influence. Because my flesh flourishes on merits. It understands the merit system. It understands the controlling and the measuring rod, and because it flourishes, it likes it. it. It feeds an appetite in my flesh to see how am I doing, how is my performance. You see, the danger is that you want to transfer the merit system in the world into the spirit, and that is the greatest danger because God does not work on merits; He works on unmerited favor. Amen? So our flesh and our natural man, you know, are prone to a merit system. And they use the law of Moses as a merit system because it weakened in the hands of flesh. It was never designed to be that way because Romans 7 says the law is holy and it's spiritual. And God designed it by his wisdom to stir up sin and to bring a sin consciousness so that we can know that we need a savior, but they used it for something totally different. It's like designing a toaster and you wear it for a flower display because it's designed for something. But in the hands of sinful man and flesh, it becomes a merit system and a religious system. Let's say step one, step two, step three, and we will see how that becomes a great danger to our walk with God. The moment we tamper with the purity of the gospel, we tamper with the power of the gospel. Are you with me? Because it says in Romans 1.16, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes, the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein, in this purity, in this gospel that Paul preached and that we understand is the righteousness of God revealed not the righteousness of man, not the righteousness of a religious system. Come on, church. Not the righteousness of step one, step two, step three. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith because, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, not by obeying a religious system. Amen? There can be no other gospel. Paul said in one uh, Galatians one eight. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And he repeats it. Yeah. So even when we listen to great men and great women of God, and we read great books about you know Christianity, and even if they have the greatest following on the earth, we need to measure and discern the message. Because there is actually a mixture of law and grace. That is the greatest danger. Because ministers are mixing law and grace because law is still present within them. And if the law is present in the preacher, the law is present in the house. Are you with me? So as a preacher, it's my responsibility to come before God frequently and often To search my heart and search out my message to see if I'm still pure in the gospel. Because if I tamper with the purity, I lose the power. Come on. Are you with me, church? So we need to discern. And discern is not judgment. Discernment is a gift from the Spirit. And we need to discern messages. We need to discern books. We need to discern what we are watching on TV and what we allow into our spirit. We cannot afford a mixed message. We need the gospel and the, and the Christ-centered gospel, and we need that. Because with that, we build the church. Amen. When we are not actively identified with the crucified Christ, suddenly something happens because if I'm not dead, I'm alive. If I'm not dead as an old the old person the old mindset the old appetites I'm alive and I will give into the pressure of people and this is what happened in Galatia they gave they gave into the pressure of the Jews and they were influenced by the Jews and they did not hold fast to their message and what they were taught by Paul and suddenly they opened the door and it says in Ephesians one. Verse, uh, let's see, verse ten. He says, "Paul, tell them. Now, am I trying to win the favor of men, or of God? Do I seek to please men? Because if I'm alive, I will give into pressure. Come on, Amen. I will give into influence." He says, "If I was still seeking popularity with men, I should not be a bond servant of Christ." And this is the this is the dividing line. Because we listen more to people. We give the headship to people. And we do not hold on to the headship of Christ. Are you with me? When we are not actively identified, we seek our identification. We seek our identification in others, in our past, in culture, or in the world. And Galatians 3.28 says the following. It's so clear. It says... There is now no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is not male and female. For you are all one, where? In Christ. As I'm standing here and ministering to you, I'm not a female. I'm a spirit ministering to you, spirit woman and a spirit man. Because I'm speaking from that place called in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? So all the things drops away. All the things that identified me in the world just falls away. But in Christ, you stand up as this new creation with the anointing of God resting upon you and the authority of that place in Him. So when we, we are not identified with Him, we are easily nudged or pushed back into dead works. And this is the danger. We start out so well. Galatians 3 says, you start out so well. You know, in the Spirit, you start out. He says, who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell over you? You know, you received the Spirit by the Spirit, and now you want to finish it by the flesh. Are you with me? Because Hebrews 12 says, He's the author and the finisher of what? My faith. faith, Not my works, my faith. He's the author of my faith, and He's the finisher of my faith. And Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, we must leave these principles, the doctrines, the principles of the doctrines of Christ, we must now, let us move on, he says. Let us move on to maturity. Let us move on to manifestation. Let us move on, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. The first thing that he addresses is dead works. And we need to remain dead to dead works. And not come under the influence of it again. And we will have the tendency to turn away from faith. This is, this is actually the main strategy of the religion and religious spirit is that you will turn away from your faith. Because Hebrews 11.6 11, 11, says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So like I said this morning, if I was the enemy, I will come for your faith. I will go for your faith because it is the just shall live by faith. It is by faith that I am justified and be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is by faith that I stand and live and walk. It's by faith. It's all by faith. So the the target is your faith. And for in the church, how do you deviate somebody that loves God and wants to please God? You send a religious spirit that looks like him. That sounds like him, because John 15 verse 1 says, I am the true vine. Church, and if there's a true vine, there must be a false vine that looks like him, talks like him, sounds like him, and in the name of him we do things. But he says, go away from me, I do not know you, because we need to discern the true vine. Are you with me? So the moment we turn away from faith, we are not, we lose, actually not lose, but we, we, we are not operating from that place of justification. We are not operating from that place called being the righteousness of God, being right with God. And being right with God actually means I'm innocent. I know I'm innocent because by the blood I'm washed. By the blood I'm forgiven. By the blood, I'm redeemed. By the blood, I am justified. So being in Christ Jesus, I'm innocent. I am innocent. And then, the prayer of the righteous, come on church, avails much power. You see, and that is the strategy. By sending in that religious spirit, you know, diverting you to deviate from the cross, from that crucified place, being with him, identified with him. Galatians 2, 16, this is the scripture, following the following scripture, are most powerful scriptures. He says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Say with me, faith. faith. Even we have believed, he's speaking as a Jew, we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And not by the works of the law. For by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It's not by our performance, church. It's not by our performance that we are justified. It says, Galatians 3, 11, 12. Now it is evident that no person is justified, declared righteous, and brought into right standing with God through the law. For the scripture says, The man in right standing with God, the just... The righteous shall live by and out of faith. How many times must he repeat it, your faith? Say to yourself, my faith is my most precious possession because it pleases God. Amen. Verse 12 says, but the law does not rest on faith, does not require faith, has nothing to do with faith. If I'm in a religious practice and I follow a religious system, there's no faith required because it's step one, step two, step three, step four. You've got the recipe. Why do you need faith? Amen. He says, he who does them, the things prescribed by the law shall live by them, not by faith. Because no faith is required. And what pleases God? Come on, church. What pleases God? Faith. Faith. When I'm not actively identified, being in that place in Christ Jesus, I come back under the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 says he became a curse for us. And so to redeem us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? Sin being stirred up again. Condemnation. Romans 8 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ. Thank you very much. Who live not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the promptings, the translation said, after the promptings of the Spirit. Come on. Say with me, in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. This, is the, this is the more scary version. It gets worse. Sorry about that. But if I'm not identified with Him, Listen, Galatians 5. It says, let's read Amplified, verse 3. I once more protest and testify to every man who receives circumcision. So if you start out, it doesn't matter if it's circumcision, it can be something else. It can be the Shabbat, it can be a talit on your head, it can be anything. Come on, church. We saw these things. I'm seeing these things in South Africa. All these religious acts and, and performances. It says, It says here, he will receive circumcision that he's under obligation and bound to practice the whole of the law and its ordinances. You cannot select one or two. If you start, you need to obey all of it. Are you with me? Then he says, if you seek to be justified and declared righteous and to be given a right standing with God through the law, you are brought to nothing and so separated or severed from Christ. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Paul asked. He knew that there was only one thing, that was the law. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 3, until today when the Old Testament, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds and their hearts, and they have lost the ability to understand. Come on, church. But in Christ, the veil is removed. And that Paul understood. Because on the road to Damascus, Acts 9, the veil was ripped off in one single second. God didn't peel it away. He ripped it, and it was gone. And that was why he was blinded. He was in the light, and he was confronted with the revelation of the risen Christ. Amen? Amen. Now he says, he says, you have severed, you are severed from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, from God's gracious favor and unmerited blessing. And like I said this morning, I don't know about you, but I cannot afford to be without grace. We cannot afford to fall away from grace because grace has an operating power within us and upon us. Grace for me is not a teaching. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus Christ because he was full of grace and truth. So when I'm with him, I cannot but receive grace. And because grace has a face for me, it has two sides. It is the unmerited favor, the the unmerited blessing. He says the unmerited blessing and the gracious favor of God. And we need a revelation about unmerited favor because we are trained in merits. Our minds are trained in a merit system. So we need a revelation from the Spirit to really understand what is unmerited favor. We say grace, but we don't understand grace. That is the one side of grace. The other side for me is 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul speaks of that special endowment that he, that he received from God for his spiritual task, for the task that we need to do, the ministry. Wherever you are placed in society, at your workplace, that grace, the Greek calls it the enabling power. It enables me to do things that I know before God I'm not able to do. But because of that grace coming upon my life, as I'm standing here, I'm aware of that enabling grace because it's the gift of God upon my life to convey this message. This is not done by human training. What you are receiving right now, what you are seeing seeing is that enabling grace that is operating on my life, the gift of God. And that gift rests upon you for your task, wherever you are, in the worship team, at the children's church, in the ministry, or in the workplace, in business, as a family, as a man, as a husband, as a woman, there is an enabling grace that God made provision for, but in Christ. Yeah. 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 Amen? When we are not fully identified church, there's no possession of our inheritance. We cannot, we cannot Take our inheritance. We cannot step into our inheritance. And we see this in Galatians 4, verse 1. It says, Now what I mean is that as long as the inheritor or the heir is a child and under age, he does not differ from a slave, although he is the master of all the estate, but he's under guardians and administrators or trustees until the date fixed by his father. So we, Paul says, not the Gentiles, We, the, the, the Jew, the Jewish Christians also, when we were minors, were kept like slaves under the rule of the Hebrew ritual and subject to the elementary, listen to how he calls it, the elementary teachings of a system of external observations and regulations. But when the proper time had fully come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law, to purchase the freedom of, to ransom, to redeem, to atone for those who were subject to the law, that we might be adopted and have sonship conferred upon us and be recognized as God's sons. And because you are really now His son. God has sent His Holy Spirit of, uh, the Holy Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, therefore, you are no longer slaves, bond servant, but a son. And if you are a son, it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Christ. But if I'm still under the law, because Paul said as long as we were under the law, we were under a guardian, a tutor, and the law was a tutor unto Christ. But when you find Christ, the tutor is no longer applicable. It's not necessary. Come on, church. The law is no longer necessary because it was a tutor unto Christ. So if I'm in Christ, the purpose of the law is being fulfilled. Are you with me? But Paul says, if you remain under the law, even if you are an heir, you differ nothing from a slave because God cannot trust you with your inheritance because you're still a child and not a son. Amen? You are not fully identified with Christ. So I'm not a son. I cannot take possession of what was promised to me because I will turn away from faith. Come on. When we are... Not in that place. We are stuck in the shadows. I love this one. Colossians 2 verse 16 says, Therefore let no one sit in judgment in matters of food and drink or with regard to a feast day or a new moon or a Sabbath. Such things are only the shadow of things that are to come. And they have only a symbolic value. But the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what was, what it is foreshadowed, the body of it belongs to to Christ. Like I demonstrated this morning, there can only be a shadow if there's something real that casts the shadow. Now he says the whole, the law and the tabernacle and all the prophecies in the Old Testament were foreshadowing of what was to come. It was shadows and types. It, It spoke about something because it was the shadow of something real. But now the real thing arrived. Yeah. In the fullness of time, the sun was revealed. The reality of that shadow was revealed. The tabernacle, you know, you know, the burnt offering, the washing, the, the table bread, of you know, the show bread, the the, the the burner, the, the menorah. That was only shadows of a real thing. Yeah. But here stands the real thing. So what are you doing in the shadows? What are you seeking in the shadows? What are you looking for if Christ and Him being crucified is here? What are you doing there? Why are you still wanting to go back into the types? And the fo- If I don't find Christ, the reality of it, I will be ever, ever, forever stuck in the shadows. Come on, church. We need to understand this. When we are not identified with the crucified Christ, we will fall back in a religious performance and spiritual appearances because you're, you, you appear very spiritual, but there's no substance because there's no word. In Him was the word. Come on. He was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with Him, and the word was Him. And that word became flesh. Amen. Colossians 2 verse 22 says the following, It says, referring to things, he's referring to what you shall eat and what you shall drink and the feast and the new moon and the Sabbath, he's referring to that, referring to things all of which perish with being used. To do this is to follow human precepts and doctrines. It's nothing to do with God. It's human. He says, such practices have indeed the outward appearance that Popularity, no, what's the word? That popularly. Yeah, no, no, no. That's right. That's right. Yeah, am I right? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for my English anointing. <laughs> that popularly passes for wisdom in promoting self-imposed rigor of devotion and delight in self-humiliation and severity of discipline of the body. But they are of no value. In checking the indulgence of the flesh, the lower nature, instead, they do not honor God, but serve only to indulge the flesh. This is worse than the other scriptures. Because, you see, if my flesh is alive, it is open to these things. If my flesh is alive, I give to the indulgence of the flesh. Instead, they do not honor God but only indulge the flesh. You make a show in the flesh, but there's no substance. Come on, church. Paul says in Galatians 4, 16, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth and dealing sincerely with you? You see, when I turn away and I I come under the influence of these people, Paul calls them dogs at one stage because Paul did not mince his words when it comes to the protection of the purity of the gospel. Because he knew if you tamper with the purity, you tamper with the power. Come on, church. And we need to, to, to minister in the power of the gospel. Because that transforms lives. That is where the transformation power lies. That is what transformed you when you came to Christ, was the purity of the crucified Christ. That's why Paul says, I resolve to know nothing amongst you except Christ and Him being crucified. And when we speak about the crucified Christ, we speak about the whole package, you know, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension. But we need to understand that if we are not actively identified with that, and we come under the influence of these people, actually we become their trophies. They convert us to their teaching. And we become a trophy of their belief system. And we become accepted in the group. Are you with me? How do we die to this? By being actively identified with Christ. Conceived that I'm dead, and living with a mindset that the old man is dead, but also standing strong in the freedom that Christ has set me free with. Galatians 5.1, he says, stand firm, be strong, stand in that freedom, because we need, these people, they need to protect your, their freedom. We need to protect that place where we are in Christ Jesus we need to protect that place because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I need to protect that because they came in to spy upon the freedom of the new, newly Christians. And so I need to understand that when I'm there, also church, I am free to walk in the Spirit. Because Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, By walking in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do I... Keep away from my fleshly desires. How do I keep away from my past? How do I keep to the t- away from the temptations of my past? By walking in the Spirit. Yeah. By being in that place where I speak a new language that is called Spirit and life. So now I am free. When I, while I'm walking in that place, I'm free to bear the fruit of the Spirit. It is a natural outflow of being in Christ Jesus. It's not something I need to push or pursue or pray for. Come on, church. By being in Him, the natural outflow is the fruit of the Spirit. The natural outflow is the the good works that are in Christ Jesus, the works that are alive, because those who are led by the Spirit, they are called the sons of God. Amen? I want to end with this scripture. I want to Just tell you to remain in Him. Tell your neighbor, remain in Him. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, walk in union with and conformity to Him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in Him, fixed and founded in Him, being continually built up in Him. Are you with me? Becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith. Here it comes again. Full circle. Faith. Tell your neighbor your faith is your most precious possession. Just as you were taught and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. Amen. And I want, if you are comfortable, let us stand and we're going to make a declaration. And we're going to mean it. Amen. Amen. We're going to say it with good spa. We're going to say it with, yeah, with, you know, with conviction. Because... I just gave you a short introduction of this truth and this message, but the reality of it is very true and imminent. The danger of these influences are all around us, and it's not in the world, it's in the church. I am, I, let us confess, I will remain in truth. I will will not follow people. I am in Christ. I am fully and actively identified active. with, the with the crucified Christ. My desire to fit in, My to fit in. Crucified. crucified. My desire to be accepted, My to be accepted. Crucified. crucified. My past wounds and hurts, My wounds and hurts. Crucified. crucified. My religious ambitions, My religious ambitions. Crucified. crucified. My fleshly desires, crucified, I declare today, I'm dead to the law, I'm dead to any religious spirit, I am in Christ, amen, and today, I declare with Paul, I am crucified with Christ, in Him, I have shared His crucifixion, it is no longer I that live, But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith. The complete trust in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. I agree with that. And I stand upon it. In the name of Jesus Christ. And I say amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Amen.
1: Man, oh man. What a word, huh? Whew. Fantastic. Why don't we take a moment to say thank you, Lord? Lord, let this, let this word whew, just consume us. Let it, let it sink deep down into our hearts, Lord. That your words that are spirit in our life. Help us to see this, to the the revelation, illuminate our hearts, God, with this revelation of what it means to be in Christ. What a place. What a domain. What a realm, Lord, that you've called us to live in. I thank you, Lord, that it's in Him, He, that we are complete. Thank you for bringing Elma and Paul here to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the deposit that has been made into our lives. And we pray now, God, that you would bless them abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, above all that they could ask or think. Bless their ministry. Bless their bodies, with health, vigor, and life, and strength. Bless their marriage, their businesses, their children, Lord. We thank you, God that you're with them, you're increasing them, increasing. Lord, this word, my goodness, this teaching needs to be heard. It needs to be heard in many, many nations. So I thank you for opening those doors, increasing the influence, increasing their influence in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for
0: listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecostchurch.com.